for joining us for another edition of Lead.exe. I'm Brian Comerford in Denver, Colorado. And I'm Nick Lozano in Washington, D.C. Today we've got a special guest, Robert Sunker, who's joining us. He is the Executive Vice President at RevGen Partners and has done uh, a lot of work related to data analytics uh, across multiple industry types, recognizing what all of the critical challenges are that are facing organizations of uh, all sizes, dealing with all sorts of flavors of what data delivery uh, brings us today. So with that, Robert, can you kick us off a little bit and give us some of your background, talk about your role in your organization? Gladly. No, thank you. And and by the way, thank you both for your time and the opportunity. Um, I told Brian, I'm super proud and, and glad to know folks that create something new in the world and put new thinking out there. So to take your own personal time to to generate a podcast, to get people thinking about leadership and technology, it's it's just great. So, so thank, thank you, you for having Awesome. Me. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So that being said, I, um, I'll admit beyond being uh, kind of the father, husband, family man, uh, my day job is I'm a career consultant at this point. Uh, I joined RevGen Partners when we started in 2008, and we've been going at it 11, going on 12 years next year and having a great time. My role at the organization, uh, since we've grown from about five to over 140 people, is still wearing a lot of hats, but the main hat I, I wear every day is overseeing our offerings and solutions, our services. How do we go to market? How do we add cl- uh, value to, to our clients in new and different ways? There's obviously a lot of consultants out in the world, so we have to do our part to make sure we're we're good, great, and, and doing things in a way that clients want to engage with us instead of all the other options out there. Um, yeah, data and analytics, we call it analytics and insights, is a huge part of our practice. It's not the only part, but it's uh, it's will always be valuable. And as hopefully we discussed today, um, I think the data is the currency of this of this. Uh, point in time in business and uh, this part of our economy. So it's not going anywhere is my point. So excited well to talk about that. Uh, Very well said. Well, thank you for the kudos. And uh, we're equally as proud to have you uh, be a part of uh, the program here. So thanks for your time and uh, for joining us with your own thought leadership. So one area of leadership challenge uh, in the age of uh, data analytics and insights that I come across regularly is the lack of general data literacy within organizations and uh, having conversations with other leaders who are struggling to figure out where do we even start? What's it about? Do we go from square one with uh, curating our data and learning you know, what, what do data quality methods look like? Do we start with designing what some of the outputs are that we want uh, as insights from our data? Help us uh, walk through a little bit of what you experience with some leadership challenges around what's what's the starting point to get into a, a data literacy mindset. Yeah, and I, I do appreciate and I like the word data literacy and the converse of that or the inverse sorry, of that is data driven culture. How do you get literate enough where the organization has a culture of appreciation and, and using data to help drive the organization? Um, I, I think it's a fascinating conversation because there is some plumbing parts to the conversation. There's some training and education, but it's really interesting to also talk about the cultural change 
management side of it too. We were talking about generational differences um, that folks start with. Some have a deep appreciation from data. They were born digitally native or born data, a data native and other folks um, didn't have that experience in their career. So uh, hopefully we can get into all that. Um, at that base level, I think you already hit on it, uh, Brian, is, is how do we get an organization even to understand the basics around data? Um, as a consultant, we have seen the first wave of organ, you know, of, of investment from organizations in getting their data in place, putting it somewhere, getting their hands on it, and that was the first BI wave, if you will. And a lot of organizations got a tremendous amount of value out of that. And some organizations are still struggling with uh, doing that and getting value out of it. But we're basically ready for the second wave, which is taking that to the next level. And the way we look at it is organizations that don't think about business value of their data first will get lost in the plumbing, will get lost in the data management, will get lost in the ETL, whatever you know technical angle of that I call the plumbing again. Um, they get lost in that. So what we've done is we've flipped that on its head and said, if we can't get to business value, if we can't make a different decision because of our data, which means we need an insight that helps us make a different decision, then why are we doing all of this? So um, that's, that's I, think, I think that's what we're primed to start talking about. And uh, some of our more progressive clients are, are already ready to engage in that conversation. So if you can get an organization to focus on the output of the data and what they're going to do differently with that data, then I think folks start talking a language that makes some of the technical side of data literacy um, a little bit more in its place. Does that make sense? It certainly does. Yeah. You know, the uh, when I think about... Uh, what I see generally is a maturity curve related to that progression uh, along uh, developing that uh, bench strength with data literacy. Uh, I like how you touched on, you know, the early days of business intelligence. Um, you know, the funny thing is I've, I've heard these terms thrown around for so many years now, it's, it's almost like cloud, right? Non-relational <laughs> databases. Right. We're right back to where we started with a lot of these things. Um, but, you know, from a, a, a set of definitions, uh, I like how you characterized the way that your practice uh, delivers, um, including insights into uh, the way that you, you really present what your practice is about. Can you step us through a little bit, you know, what is that landscape from a definition perspective? Business intelligence, data analytics, informatics, insights, you know, what does it mean to a leader who's really starting to, to try to develop a fundamental understanding of what's even the vocabulary? So I'm, I'm maybe going to take a different direction than you think I will, but it all gets back to what you just asked. If I take a leadership view of your question and say, as a leader, what opportunity sits in front of me. I, I feel like that's where you get at the real data literacy, data culture, honestly, generational side of the conversation. If you're an experienced leader, long in your career, you may not have grown up with the tools, technologies, and access to data that we all do now. And so you had if you are all successful, you had to leverage your experience, you had to leverage your network, and you had to lever, honestly, some intuition about how to run a business and manage a business. Well, that's because you didn't have a tool. You know, before we had fire, what did we do, right? Um, <laughs> we learned and we adapted. But my point of that is, if you're a leader, that's, you know, where we are generationally, most of the leaders 
running organizations are probably Gen X, if not maybe still baby boomer. Um, they're starting from a place of lack of capability, you know, like I said earlier, early in their career. So that being said, you have to start thinking a little bit more broader and wider about how do I embrace this? Who do I need to call on deep within my organization to help assist with that? And you have to start thinking about data as an opportunity to run your business differently. And we all know measure what matters, right? Um, it's easy to put KPIs in place. I should say it's easy to define KPIs uh, for your organization that help you manage it better. Um, but the real art is in, are they there? right KPIs? Are they balanced? Are they customer facing? Are they only internal facing and whatnot? So as a leader, that's a huge daunting task if you're not already data driven is to figure out how to do it, where to do it, how to, how to deploy those kind of capabilities with an organization. There's a, there's a lot of work to do. Um, so as an organization, you know, that's you know, we have all sorts of great folks within an organization from young millennials that get it to IT that can provide the services and the tools to do it. Um, obviously, consultants are standing by to help advise an organization how to get into this in, into this practice, if you will. Um, yeah, it's, there's no shortage of folks that are there to help. So, but I think that leader has to start with their their own perspective on how to leverage data um, to either run their business or transform their business, if that's the case. I, I really like that answer. Um, and the way I see it is like when firms kind of go down the, the adventure of becoming data-driven and everything, they always kind of turn to IT, right? Because they were the team before who built the SQL Server reports that that they wanted. Um, and instead of thinking about where we're going to use the data, how we're going to drive insight is a word that you used. And I like that instead of just taking a bunch of data and dumping out these standard reports, it's looking back at these KPIs um, and making sure that they're actually what you're looking for. Um, so as we venture and um, new firms kind of start to come on with this, um, should they be reaching out to, to consultants or other people um, to kind of find out how to get this process started? Because um, it seems like from hearing you talk that it, it's not a one-person undertaking. It seems like you know you need a business, an, business analyst, somebody who understands statistics. You need the IT guy who can you know manage the e, ETL tools and everything. What's your take on that? Uh, uh, you, if I feel like you set me up there, Nick. I mean, in my biases, of course, they should help. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in all honesty, we see organizations, uh, very progressive organizations, that have all the internal discipline and competencies they need. They maybe just haven't stitched them together in a way that gets to the end result and gets gets the end game that they want to. So, if a consultant can help stitch that together, great. If a consultant needs to come in and help, kind of add some skills and capabilities that they don't have, that that can be a short-term fix that long-term they need to take in-house also. But at the macro level, if you look at how you get to those insights, how do you get to that business value? We look at it at RevGen through the people, process, data, and technology lens. All four of those pillars need to be addressed and aligned for you to get to that outcome. So you could have the best tools, you know, you could swipe your credit card and have the best BI tools and analytics tools, but that doesn't mean you have the skilled resources and it doesn't mean you have the data governance programs in place to make sure you have good data and you're using the data wisely. And I could go on and on through all four pillars, but, but that's where often consultants can help is they can bring that broader perspective of how they all work together and how to align the right pieces at the right time for your maturity as an organization to start making progress. Because the wonderful thing about analytics and insights 
it's a never ending uh, skill development, it's a never ending capability for an organization. You can never have too much information or too much insight. Um, you just have to focus your investment so you get you get there faster. I, I, uh, I really resonate with um, the broad sort of holistic perspective of what kind of team you have to bring uh, to develop this capability and in particular, the fact that it's not one and done. Uh, I know that uh, a challenge that I've experienced is interacting with other business leaders who, you know, falling short of understanding, you know, well, I, I keep hearing this buzzword about big data, so we got to have a, some of that. Um, you know, <laughs> today we've got a bunch of these reports, we spent a bunch of money on this SQL Server licensing, and uh, so what's it going to take? You know, now, now we've got the reporting in place. Um, we're just going to build out some other stuff and then we're going to have data analytics, right? Like how long is that project? Um, trying to help navigate around the sense that this is just, uh, you know, a, a setup and that, you know, you build some reports, you script some code and pretty soon away you go with data analytics. Uh, again, that's, that's one of those cultural turning points, I think, that uh, can be really challenging from a change management perspective. Can you talk a little bit about where you start a conversation like that? Specifically around the change management side of um, getting into this. Yeah, helping to prepare yeah. other leadership really to, yeah. to understand this is, uh, this is not a one and done. This is really part of how you do business long term. Data is an asset just like any other corporate asset that you may have. And you really need to start, um, you know, treating it as something that's part of the ongoing work process versus uh, it's a project. And we've got, you know, some consultants who are coming on board for a while. We've got a BA, we've got some IT, um, you know, we're looking at 12 months and then we're going to have this, um, you know, uh, artifact at the end. And we can declare that we've got data analytics for our organization. Yeah, I got you. Good question. Um, and it, for what it's worth, if this is a little wisdom or a little insight into the consulting market, I don't see a lot of organizations. We're specific, we're particularly not selling a lot of build it and they will come or build it and there will be value projects anymore. Um, the days of just going out and spending a year getting a data warehouse in place are, are long gone. And so already our services are oriented to getting to that insight fast. And that's the first step, Brian, I think, of getting executives that may not even understand it or worse, resist it, is if we can give you an insight that you find valuable, you're going to want more. And so there's a little bit of you got to prove it. And in the old days, I mean, there was hard work to do to get the plumbing in place. I, I won't deny that it wasn't intentionally uh, off off uh, off uh, strategy to do all that work. It, that was just what you had to do to get some data in your hands. But now there's all these tools, technologies, agile approaches that if I can get you an answer in a couple of weeks and you like it, then let's worry about turning it into an operational process, right? That you can use time and again, or maybe it was one question one time and you're done. But if the st first step in getting a, a team on board and appreciating the, the value and the impact it can have is give them something that they want, let them react to it and go, oh, yeah, I get it now. I need that. You just told me something about my customers I never knew before, or this is why I'm not as profitable as I hope to. So I'm a big believer if you can prove it and show it, they're going to want more. On top of that, though, you do have to educate them there. If, if you go back to the generational potential generational disconnect between those in charge versus those who are digitally native is 
um, we're in an era of more transparency and more trust wanted within an organization that you have to educate and, and kind of overcome some of the traditional fear of sharing information and sharing data, even within an organization. One department doesn't necessarily want to tell the other department what's really going on under the covers because historically that was either frowned upon or hand slapping, you know, because, uh, you know, there's just no upside to that. But that's not how we see more progressive organizations working. They're more open, more transparent. The traditional department lines get a lot blurrier when you look at the world through the eyes of the customer or through the eyes of an end-to-end -end, you know, kind of process efficiency. So that education with that leadership team has to start around a new way of working, uh, a new, a new uh, level of potential transparency. And if you're not willing to measure what matters and then expose that, you're never going to get any better as an organization and you're going to suffer the consequences of that in the long term, if not the short term. So um, those are the <laughs> easy to say, really hard to do, right? I mean, you're trying to change minds and you're trying to influence how executives think. And that's a, that's a long battle. So um, when you show them how it works, like I said earlier, I think you start to get buy in a lot faster because the fear of the unknown starts to break down. I'm going to take it from kind of a, a different direction. So um, walk through a scenario where you've got uh, an engagement with uh, a leader who has very high expectations of how quickly we're getting the organization to predictive, right? Mm -hmm. I've heard about all this mystic woo-wah with this IT stuff. Um, you know, we've got artificial intelligence and robots running around all over the place in our systems. And Siri seems to know everything I want to do. Amazon already knows what I'm going to order next. Um, that's the kind of uh, predictive capabilities we want from our business. Um, by the way, we've never gone through any uh, data optimization process. Um, but you're on the hook now. We're paying you the big bucks to come in for an engagement. And uh, we want our customers to, to walk in. We know everything about them uh, from day one yeah. and know exactly how to sell to them. And you forgot one part of that, Brian. All the data is in an access database. Right? <laughs> hey, it's not Excel. Um, so how do we help or what is that or how how, how common is that right now? Is that well, you know, I, I, I think it's just sort of uh, throwing it out there for you to walk through, you know, how how common is it? What does the conversation look like that might be different from what you were just talking about? Um, ultimately, you know, we know that there have got to be fundamentals in place to be able to um, to demonstrate what any of those uh, uh, insights are. but. You know, you talked about getting to the insight uh, as quickly as possible. Um, what about when the expectations are so far out of range for uh, um, for what, you know, sort of that first pass might look like? So my academic consultant hat says you, you dive into all of the explanation, which you kind of you kind of teed up around what capabilities, what disciplines, what tools, uh, what needs to go right for you to be able to leverage the buzzword technologies or the buzzword approaches. Mm -hmm. And that has to be part of the conversation. Our, our job as consultants is to educate and inform and, and provide that guidance. And I think a huge part of some of the buzzwords you use, Brian, around analytics, sorry, uh, data science and AI and whatnot is around, it has to be around quality data and the trust of your data. So we can talk about that later, but um, 
we would be doing a disservice to promise any outcome based on any of these buzzword approaches if we didn't talk about the quality of the data that goes into that. Um, but we also know buzzwords get folks moving and acting. And so there's a little bit of, well, let's talk about what that really means. And let's maybe use your excitement about what this could do for you to get some of the basic plumbing and other um, variables, the other components you need on the table discussing, because then you learn it, whatever it took for you to trigger your excitement and your engagement and maybe doing something, let's use that as the platform for learning about the bigger picture. And so, for example, it's not impossible, it's not wrong to start with some sort of predictive data science model. And like I said earlier, get to some uh, determination if it's useful or not, and then go back and figure out how, how to operationalize it. And maybe when you say, this is really valuable and I want to operationalize it, you realize your quality of your data needs to be better. And then you have the buy-in to invest in that data quality initiative, uh, for example. So uh, to me, it's all about the end game. And if there's different ways of getting there and, and, and jumping on some of that excitement, great. But we, again, we wouldn't be our, doing our due diligence or our duty of just saying, yeah, let's possible, let's go figure it out and not and not walking you through all the all the steps, whatever order you take to get there. So, um, yeah, we try not to sell buzzwords. Uh, honestly, uh, we, we often do not sell buzzwords. We often sell an education, if you will. Um, but it certainly does get conversations going and that's okay too. There are plenty of buzzwords to go around. <laughs> exactly. And I, I was wondering if you could touch on one of your pillars um, that you said, um, which is uh, process, right? A, a lot of times when people think of these, you know, we're going to go digital, we're going to go data analytics. Um, and then they wonder why you're they're asking questions about business processes or how something goes through a flow. Are you able to touch a little bit on how your organization, um, you know, helps with that pillar? Yes, um, glad to. In fact, interesting choice, Nick. Uh, process is usually the un sexually unfun <laughs> one that people. Don't That's why I talk asked about it. it, right? Yeah. So, yep. um, but we think it's extremely important um, uh, variable of the whole conversation or whole uh, component. So, um, part of that, honestly, is the um, some of the traditional IT processes, right? Uh, intake, uh, uh, prioritization, which of these insights and in, in BI or reports for that matter are the highest priority. So um, nothing new thinking there, right? Just traditional um, prioritization, uh, resource capacity assignment, et cetera. Um, there's another side of process when you start talking about data governance and data quality, which most, most organizations are immature and insufficient in, that you need to have all of those process, governance processes in place and uh, having an ongoing capability, uh, not just the MDM tools and data quality tools, but all the processes that go around it. Um, what we're also starting to see is in the, in the realm of fast analytics or accelerated insights is data operations. So equivalent to dev, DevOps. And I'm not an expert in this area, I'm not an architect, but um, there is a lot of investment going on right now in how to get data out faster. And we already know between big data, unstructured data, et cetera, that the traditional ETL process that guaranteed, you know, decimal perfect uh, data quality 
that's not irrelevant. It's extremely relevant, but it's only part of the overall picture. So we see data operations going in a way, going down, going in a direction where it'll be extremely important to focus on the process around your data, where it's coming from, where it's going, how good is it? Is it good enough to, to get to insight, et cetera? So I think that's an, that's an area that's going to continue to grow and become more familiar with most organizations when they look at their data as part of a value chain versus just part of a ETL process, if you will. So those are a couple of the, those are some of the main buckets, Nick, underneath the process side that we help clients figure out how to handle. And what, what do you think are some of the pitfalls that you run into um, when you're implementing those process changes or, or evaluating them? It's uh, no different than any um, business process improvement project, right? Is it a lack of understanding of what the process is or should be? So um, just basic block and tackling step by step. And then is there clarity on the who's uh, responsible and accountable for this process? And, um, you know, there's roles in that process that may be non-departmental line assigned, right? It may be cross-functional or cross-enterprise. So just getting super clear around who owns the process. And then like any process, what's the definition of success? How do we measure that this process is working? So if it's data operations, what's our throughput? What's our quality? All those kind of good things. So it's really the traditional process view of the world is how do we know we have a good process? How do we know who's responsible for it? And how do we measure that it's working? Um, and that goes for data quality. It goes for intake to prioritization and goes for data operations. I think that's a good segue into a question that I've got for you around building a team to help sustain this long term, particularly during a period of time where, you know, if, if you've got data in uh, any kind of degree or <laughs> current title, uh, you're likely in high demand. And, uh, and it seems, you know, like it's one of the most challenging uh, positions to place, you know, within any industry right now. Um, we need data scientists, you know, it's, <laughs> <laughs> no one knows why exactly, but apparently that's the thing that's the most in demand. And uh, there's this I, guy named Hadoop that we need to hire, right? <laughs> <laughs> right exactly. <Yeah. laughs> so, so can you talk a little bit about, you know, what's the best approach for starting to develop a team? Um, you know, it, it may be to your chagrin that, you know, consultants may not need to be engaged for the entire <laughs> duration, right? Um, but at some point, organizations need to be able to develop that maturity and that uh, skill set internally uh, to be able to continue to carry things forward. Um, so what does that whole process look like as uh, someone's in that nascent stage of development? It's a great question. And I, I'll, I'll preface it with my um philosophy on the topic is as a consultant, we can fish for you or we can teach you to fish. But if you're in a services industry and most likely any industry, um, I would have to think hard about what wouldn't, what this comment, who this comment wouldn't apply to, but you've got to learn how to do this for yourself. So however you engage a consultant, you got to get good at this long-term yourself. So the question about, well, how do you start to build that team? There is a thousand different approaches to getting there, right? And it very much base starts with how mature are you and how mature do you need to get very quickly? I mean, the traditional skills you need for a team like that are all the things you all and your listeners probably already know. I need technical folks, right? I need data experts. I need BI tool. I need developers. I need infrastructure people. So the list goes on and on around the, the technical side of the skill development. You, of course, also need 
company, the business analyst side, and that sounds like a role, but it's just a general skill. Who's looking at the business critically and understanding what uh, what I should be asking, what questions I should be asking, therefore trying to go answer with data. Um, but I think what makes it super powerful and really embedded within organization is all the other roles, skills, and competencies beyond those two core ones, which is the actual business domain knowledge. And that has a leadership layer to it. So I need some executive sponsorship. I need somebody to goes, this is important. All the traditional IT project learnings, right? Um, all the way down into who really understands the customer or who understands finance. If you're focusing this capability in one domain like finance or marketing or customer, then you need that representation, not necessarily at the data analyst, business analyst level, but you need it from that domain knowledge. Um, so those are all the ingredients of the team that you need to start developing, but that sounds big and scary. That doesn't, you know, it's not where you have to start. Honestly, you throw some data at one smart kind of data savvy person and they can start what we talked about earlier, getting to some insights and getting some traction and showing some value. Uh, that's why so many spreadsheets exist in the world, right? If somebody's doing something in there that was valuable, now let's talk about operationalizing it after the fact. So that's the kind of generic answer, Brian, to what are all the pieces of the puzzle. But if an organization really doesn't have much going on or much of that team kind of defined, and you don't even really care where it sits, because it can sit in IT, it can sit in a finance group, it can sit in other places, or sometimes it's federated across the organization, right? Uh, IT provides their services and then all the, the smart data people are out in the departments. But wherever it sits, you need those core disciplines, you need those core comp competencies to, to get it started. And then you get into the traditional, what your other podcast talk about, which is traditional leadership disciplines needed to kind of inspire and get folks aligned with why we're doing this and start the basically start the path down that journey. So again, I'll go back to that. You need technical skills and you need the business skills to come together, whatever form or fashion that looks like in your organization. I really like that point. You, you kind of drive back. Uh, I know in my experience, when when you kind of start these data initiatives, driving insights, doing BI platforms, it almost always turns to IT owns this. It's a product instead of when it should be looked at a whole and a business unit you know, of a team of individuals from different areas and functions should actually own this product, not IT. Um, and that's one of the biggest pitfalls I see most of the time. I, I don't know if your experience is kind of different um, when you're when you're kind of out there day to day with boots on the ground. Are you seeing anything different? I no, that that's still very commonplace, Nick. I think what I'll be honest about when you see that it's a lack of business maturity around the value of the data. So they think it's an IT service or they think it's an IT project product because they don't understand yet what the power of data can do for them. If they did, they would embrace it and say, thank you, IT, for giving me some data. I want more. But mm -hmm. that's not a lot of organizations that are at that level. Now, you get into high tech startups, you know, Silicon Valley, they were built that way from the ground up. So they already get it. We're talking about more legacy industries and legacy uh, service, uh, uh, companies that need need to do a little bit more work to understand what, what this could do for their business and kind of get on the bandwagon, if you will. Mm -hmm. And is there a way you can kind of, um, you know, if if somebody's organization comes to them and they're they're an IT leader, and they're like, you're IT, you own this. Is there, is there a way you could probably 
um, kind of softly put it that this needs to be a f- business function unit. I mean, how, how are you going about that when you get on a client engagement and they're like, okay, you know, we're going to do data analytics and insights and IT is going to own it. Mm-hmm. Um, is there kind of a standard way you go about, you know, informing the business users that, you know, it's, it, you know, we're doing a data initiative. It should be owned by everybody. It's a good question. And I'll be honest, I'm not a soft anymore in my response to when, when that, when that situation arises, it's, it's a no brainer. It's, this is your business. If you're the marketing group or whatever, this is your responsibility and, and your destiny, if you will. So let's figure out how to partner with it. Cause we know you don't have the technical you know, skills to do what they need to do for you. But if you think that this is their responsibility, good luck in, you know, succeeding in your area or as a company overall. So, um, I obviously can't say it that bluntly, but at the end of the day, <laughs> when you look at the people pillar, the operating model that uh, an organization needs to develop, again, it can start small, but ultimately the operating model that develops around this from the get go has to be a, a, a partnership. Um, there's kind of no way around that. So it's a non-starter to me. You know, it's interesting, Nick and I were uh, working with a group of CFOs and finance managers last week. And as the question about resourcing came up, uh, part of what you said really resonated with, I think, how we were talking with a lot of those other leaders, um, really finding the talent and the interest um, from the outset so that uh, you find those people who've got some type of organizational understanding uh, to begin with, um, they've got some degree of acumen around what does this work entail, uh, and then really using that as sort of your uh, starting point for a resource pool to start to develop this talent from within. Um, so back to that idea of partnership and shared responsibility, right? You likely already have a lot of the talent to be able to develop this capability in-house. They just never had a role before that had some kind of uh, technical identifier and what their right. title was or some kind of uh, data or business analyst uh, you know type of title um, but it doesn't mean that that can't be skilled up and, and you know someone has uh, both the interest and the fundamental business understanding can't be trained into um, having a, a clear understanding of how to work around the governance around uh, developing within a tool set um, there's a lot of things out there today that make it easy for non-technical people um, who have clear logical thought processes um, to be able to map things out that get you to um, some of those insights or deliverables really quickly. It's a great point. And I, if you carve off advanced analytics and just talk about traditional BI and analytics, we're not talking rocket science. You can see, touch, and feel all the pieces of the equation and go, oh, I get it. And again, just focus on that output and that value. So you, of course, have folks in your organizations that are already more data literate and savvy, um, especially when you look uh, into the younger generations. So you just have to capitalize on that. And I'll say again, I don't care where you put it. It could be an analytics team. It could be an IT function. It could be spread across the entire organization. You just have to align it so that it's producing value and not too chopped up and too fragmented. Um, Finance has traditionally been the analytics functions of an organization (laughs) because they were always the one that cared about the data, what it was said and where it's going. So they're historically the most mature 
Now they're going through the phase of how do they take finance analytics to the next level? Marketing is quickly caught up because of the world of data out that's available to marketers. Sales is quickly catching up, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but the point is, if they have pocket of excellence in an existing department, leverage that as a seed to take it broader across the organization and, and, and not just siloed in one group or one department. So again, this is to me all about getting started and then let the maturity happen. So whatever it takes to get started, go for it. Point well taken. What are some of the failure rates that you see with some of the organizations that you may have had an engagement with or, or just in general that, uh, you know, as, as folks are really starting to get uh, the ball rolling with this, um, where do things get off the tracks? Yeah, and I'll... I already said it earlier, but legacy data warehouse projects and all that failure rate was high. And it may not be that the technical, you know, uh, project failed. It just may, it's likely the business value failed. Everybody has heard it took too long. I can't get what I need. I just want one more field. It's going to take six months. I mean, I can't put a percent to that. I'm sure it's out there in some research, but it's high, right? The business value failure rate was high, even if the technical failure rate wasn't high. Um, this day and age, I you know, embracing the agile approach, um, failure rate as a percentage is lower. Uh, I'm sorry, may not be lower, but the investment lost is lower. So if we're going to fail, let's fail fast. If that insight didn't work, move on. If the insight worked, but it just doesn't need to be operationalized, move on to the next thing. So I think we're in an era where we're embracing uh, agility and speed to the point where the failure still may be there. But it's acceptable because I'm, I'm not over-investing in, in the question I was trying to answer. Um, I can just move on to the next thing faster and, and, and ideally more things. For, you know, I have more capacity if I work that way too. So um, the trappings this day, you know, is still that business value focused. We still walk into organizations, even if they're more agile and ready to move faster, that don't really start with a question in mind and insight that they want. So we'll spend a lot of time with organizations just navigating and doing workshops around use cases. And, you know, why aren't you asking questions about your customer uh, experience? Or why aren't you asking these kind of questions with your finance data? And so the failure rates, I think, are still tied up with, you know, not having the business maturity to ask the right business questions. The technology is just getting better and making that part of it even easier and faster. So... I like that. I think you you made a valid point. Um, I think a lot of times when we do um, some type of analysis of either customers or clients or whatever, a lot of time we we frame it in what we think the customer or client wants instead of actually asking the customer or client is is this what you're looking for? Um, you know, I, I've seen that a lot through through my career, and I'm sure you probably see that a lot in your consulting engagements. Instead of you know assuming you know, the reason why something's being done and you haven't asked anyone. And I, I feel like customer experience is, is a very important thing as well. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> you know, there's uh, you know, to your point about, um, you know, really identifying that why, right. Um, I, I think that part of the success that I've seen in um, some of the engagements that I've had with other business leaders uh, around this topic um, has really been uh, ensuring that you're bringing together that partnership, right? Who are all those necessary players uh, and that you're assembling it around um, that common set of goals, uh, driving towards, you know, what are some of those insights where ultimately we're, we're trying to look for some of those answers. 
Um, but then also having some some very um, upfront conversations uh, around what are the priorities, how are those different for each of these various factions that may have to be uh, a part of that partnership, where are some of the assumptions that we're coming from already in terms of either what kind of technology we've got in place, what kind of data quality we've got in place, um, you know, what types of resources or skill sets that we have that can help us continue to drive this long term. Uh, and then really just, again, having the upfront conversations around some of those implementation risks. Yeah. What happens when, you know, X uh, occurs? What's, uh, uh, you know, how many checkpoints are we going to have to review and assess along the way? Exactly. It, it makes sense. And I guess what I would add to your uh, to your statement, Brian, is what we try to do step one is identify the case for change that is the umbrella over the whole initiative. And so a case for change could be very strategic or it could be very tactical, but whatever it is, that case for change for that organization is something everybody can get behind. So maybe we had a bad year. Maybe we're getting terrible customer SAT scores. We can all agree that we want to do better than that, right? Or maybe it's more, uh, like I said, strategic or aspirational. There's a new business division over here we could stand up if we just went and did XYZ. So if you can get something like that, that isn't about a long list of complaints or isn't just about a technical issue, then then you get the business and IT all kind of, and others, uh, all, all lined up and, and ready to march in a direction. The hard work is what is that direction? What is that plan, right? What are all the pieces that you just referred to? And what order of operations do I tackle those in so that I actually get forward and go forward and get somewhere that I want to get? So I just want to throw that in that that case for change, whatever it is, is an extremely important part of the change management process and getting folks on board with the investment that they're going to have to commit to, the time they're going to have to give, but also the ability to kind of uh, smooth out the the road bumps that are eventually inevitably are they are going to hit. Um, the thing I've always loved about the analytics space, and again, RevGen does other kind of digital solution work too. But the thing about analytics is it's not a scary big waterfall, big uh, you know go no go. You put it in, it had to replace an old system, it worked or it didn't work, right? It's this ongoing evolutionary maturity that with the tools and technology these days, you can get into it and start and then get better and better. And so some of the setup of big classic failures of an IT systems project aren't there if you go about it, you know, they're just not built in if you go about it uh, this more kind of agile, fast way. But yeah, you'll still do something wrong, something will break, some data won't be good enough and nobody will notice until, you know, <laughs> put some report out on the street or something, right? I mean, it, those, those problems do happen, but if you focus on the people process and data around it, um, usually you can mitigate those risks. Right. I don't know about you, but I don't ever do anything wrong. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Case for change. It sounds obvious, but, uh, you know, I don't often hear it characterized in that way. So, uh, you know, thank you for bringing that forward. It seems like uh, a, a simple but very necessary step <laughs> in the process. Talk a little bit, if you could, about what's next. You know, so let's say, you know, the, the world has... Uh, evolved their uh, data capabilities, you know, industries are humming along, we've got good data quality. Um, a lot of the things that we've been talking about so far today, um, they're already kind of baked into, hey, everyone knows this. I mean, this is, 
these are the obvious things about how we do business. What's what's next? So you could definitely jump into the advanced analytics and augmented analytics and how a lot of the hard work we've been doing for the last decades will all of a sudden be automated for us, right? You don't have to hard code all of that. The tools will just do it. So, I mean, that's a whole podcast in itself around where is advanced and augmented analytics going and what are the risk and trip, you know, tripping points in that dimension. You know, at a high level, um, our, our organization is investing uh, rapidly and heavily in being ready for clients to want and need those kind of a solutions. They're already here. It's not a future conversation, just not as many organizations even if they ask for the buzzword, are really ready for it. So being prepared to talk about the, uh, the variables that make those solutions good, like data quality, like trust, like you know, proving algorithms actually are producing accurate answers, all of the things that go with that data science world, that's, that's here, that's now. Um, we're just ready for more organizations to, to want that kind of help. Um, the other side of it is, honestly, BI has benefited a lot from um a, a huge investment over the last decade plus because organizations were so transactionally focused on their ERPs and whatnot that they didn't uh, invest in the overarching enterprise and uh, um, end uh, uh, value that BI can give. So what we now see is not any diminishment diminishing of the value of BI and analytics and whatnot, but actually a better representation across, investments in the customer experience and aligning those to the right digital solutions to serve customers and serve employees. So analytics will take its place in doing the measurement of the customer experience or the measurement of the employee experience, but it'll also do, you know, provide its service of making sure digitally digital solutions are the right ones, the right, um, the right products for, for customers or, or employees to do their jobs, et cetera. So I see, analytics and insights being less of a standalone discipline. And that's hard to say it's been a standalone discipline today. It's, it's, it's a fabric. But at the end of the day, I think it'll become more critical and therefore more embedded in these other disciplines in these other areas. It'll just be part of it. It won't be a special project or it won't be a, an add-on solution that IT owns and runs. It'll just be part of how what we do what we do. Um, so I, that's kind of high-level philosophy there. But at the end of the day, all of this is going to merge together and not be standalone. You sound like you just booked yourself for another episode of a podcast here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love it. So do you have, um, as, as we're getting to wrap up here, do you have any books or anything that have been influential on you um, through your career? Don't, don't have to be business driven um, or anything like that um, that you recommend to people or gift often? Yeah, there's um, uh, a leadership one I go to all the time, and Brian will know it because we talked about it, but it's From Purpose to Impact. It's, it's actually just an article, a Harvard Business Review article from a few years ago. I thought it did a really good job of talking not just about leadership or about purpose, but how to drive purpose through your leadership to make sure you're making an impact. So I, I recommend that article left and right to folks that are looking to refine or maybe even just identify for the first time what really drives them and and how do they kind of maximize their their impact on the world um, through their strengths and through their capabilities so highly recommended it's not even a long read but it's uh, it was very powerful for me at a point in time and then 
uh, I guess I'm more of a podcast and an article reader. Than I know, and anything reader. like that, anything yeah. you have, it doesn't have to be but, a book, any uh, piece yeah, of media. Any piece of media. <laughs> I, there was one uh, on TED Radio a few years ago around the digital industrial revolution. That was probably, then there's many other podcasts like that, but it was the first one that br- turned my brain on to the fact that we're in a new era. It's not just technology is getting better. We're actually in a new era that, you know, AI will be the electricity of, you know, the the era before. And so, again, I think sometimes the best articles are just you heard them at the right time at a point in life to ignite a new th- way of thinking. And somebody else will read it and go, well, that's nothing. But uh, those, two are, <laughs> those two are both good resources that I go back to and think, oh, yeah, it actually made me think differently. So... Um, yeah, lots, lots, lots of good stuff. I'm, uh, I, I can tolerate short bits of information. <laughs> I, get it, I get it where I can through articles and podcasts. So, well, I can attest to, uh, the, the power of that from purpose to impact, um, article that you had shared with me. So, uh, I'm glad that you mentioned that one. <laughs> and that that's a HBR article you said? Yeah. Yeah. Just okay. search it and I'm sure it'll pop right up. It's not even that old. So I know another wrap-up question that we typically ask is, how can folks find you? Yeah, find definitely LinkedIn. Um, just a normal uh, LinkedIn uh, URL, and then put Robert Dash Sunker at the end. Um, definitely can go to RevGen.com. I'm on the About Us profile page there. I think it gets me back to link, gets you back to LinkedIn also. So um, definitely, open. I love to network, love to meet new people, and understand different points of view. Um, obviously we're in a client service model, so that also is part of how we get to know new organizations, but, um, gosh, the power of the power of network and the power of affiliating with other people of different mindsets and different, uh, walks of life is, is always fascinating to me. So I think we share uh, a common set of values there. Um, well, thank you very much, Robert. This has been a, a real pleasure to have you. It's always a pleasure to speak with you. Uh, I'm glad uh, we got to have you as a guest. You've shared a lot of valuable insights, I think. Well, I hope so. And I, again, I'll say again, I super appreciate both you, one, inviting me, and two, producing this. And I hope your listeners are getting a lot of value and, again, maybe being inspired to think about stuff different. So keep up the great work. Appreciate it. Thank you for your time. Thanks, Robert. Thank you.